I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. In today's show, we're going to have a conversation with Joe Kenner, CEO of Grayston Bakery, located in Yonkers, New York. You probably don't know Grayston, but I bet you have tasted their yummy brownie bites in all sorts of different flavors of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. The company was founded 41 years ago by Bernie Glassman, who had a vision that could you provide jobs to people to truly help empower and elevate their human potential? Well, that idea became open hiring and open hiring offers a job to anyone who wants one. No resume, no interview, no analysis of a past history, just an attitude to want to work. So please join me for this provocative and exciting and inspirational conversation. So welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you so much, Carol. It's good to be with you. It's great to to be with Joe. Um, I have been a fan of Grayston ever since it was founded. Uh, you're in your 41st year this year, aren't you? It's amazing. 41 years now. It's celebrating the 40th last year with a great gala. This company is so extraordinary. And we're going to talk about um, their commitment and desire to something called open hiring to make really open hiring, one of the preeminent hiring policies in this country. So, but let's go back a bit because I want to know a little bit about Joe. Who is Joe and what drives you to do this kind of work um, as the leader for Grayston? Yeah, it's a good question. And I tell people a lot, you know, my path to Grayston was not a straight line, probably like most people's career. I started out in corporate America, Fortune 50 companies on Wall Street, spent time in government, both at the local and county level, in the elected and appointed office, and literally just happened to fall on Grayston, uh, meeting my predecessor and some other folks that worked here. So, Yeah, we've had the, the great fortune on the show to find people that are at a point in their careers where it's like the perfect intersection of all the things they they did. So let's just talk a little bit about Grayston. What does Grayston Bakery do in terms of its products? You gave the best introduction I think anybody could give in terms of the actual products, the physical products that we make. So Grayston Bakery, it's a for-profit benefit corporation. It was actually the first benefit corporation in New York State. Congratulations on that. That was great. Yes. That's amazing. So we're certified the corporation, which just essentially means we rise to the highest standards of transparency and triple bottom line focus of people, planet, and profit. But um, as you said, we make those amazing brownie inclusions, those brownie pieces that go into the Ben & Jerry's ice cream. So if you've had a chocolate fudge brownie, Ben & Jerry's pint, or Netflix and Chilled, or Mint Chocolate Chance, those are our brownies in there. We have also packaged brownies that are sold in places like Whole Foods and Kava, both regular and vegan flavors. But I would say the third product, which I'm sure you'll get into, it's really the people that we hire that are brought in through our open hiring process for our bakery apprentices. So why don't we just jump right into it? Because at the core, 
of Grayston is this open hiring process, and it is extraordinary. So can you explain it to our listeners? Yeah, it, it's very simple, Carol, but it, it's profound at the same time. And, and even some, being someone who's come from corporate, it might be a little startling. But here, here's the elevator pitch for open hiring. First come, first hire. And what that means essentially is all someone has to do, now we can do it uh, online, but you just put your name on our job list for the bakery apprentice positions. Uh, just your name, phone number, email, things like that. And when the next job becomes available, when we do our call-ins for production, uh, if you get the call, you got the job. We don't do background checks. We don't do interviews. You just report for orientation, and that begins the first day on the job. Uh, we will train you. you know, all you have to do is be willing to work. The idea behind open hiring is just to give folks that opportunity, not the promise, but the opportunity and the shot at having a sustainable career, uh, earning a sustainable wage. And I watched the, the video, Wide Open Dreams, and it is, I almost, you know, your your point about get some ice cream, get a tissue, and watch it. Because to see the incredible potential just absolutely in front of you and the pride and the confidence growing in each individual is just the way we should be across this country. And, and so um, I, I know that, that you talk about that there's 10 million people out there that want a job. And then there's all these jobs that want people. And why aren't they aren't they connecting? So let's go to the derivation of open hiring. And I'd love you to talk about Bernie Glassman um, because uh, he saw this in his, in his mind and in his heart. Grayson was founded on an idea. We were founded in 1982, so as we said, we were celebrating 41 years. He saw a need in society. His idea was that, you know, why is it that we have so many folks on the streets that are homeless um, and are looking for work, want to work, it's a key piece here, but cannot find opportunities uh, to get a sustainable job uh, because of our own discriminatory practices against folks who are formerly incarcerated or are homeless. Um, he saw it as an injustice that you know we have people that want to work but can't work because they're excluded because of their past or their backgrounds. He decided, you know what, he was going to pull in those folks who are on the streets looking for work and just going to ask them, if you want to work, we'll teach you a skill. And with that skill, hopefully that can change our whole trajectory in terms of employment and having a thriving uh, career. That's how open hiring came to be. Bernie saw it as, you know, the one way we could give people hope, the one way that we could change somebody's life, you know, lifetime trajectory is through that one job. How many people have come through this whole, this incredible journey? I mean, well, you think about 40 years, right? Now we are, the bakery has about 120 employees, 80 are the open hires. So, so you just, you know, over time, you literally hundreds of folks have gone through this bakery. And it's not just, like to say, it's not just the people we hire that are impacted. It's the families that they're connected to. It's the communities that they're a part of here in Yonkers, New York, and in the surrounding area. So we're not just impacting that one person. It's really you know, all the families that are connected to them. So we're talking thousands of years that have been impacted by Grayson. And, and I know that you actually have um, data that talks about 
how long it takes to hire someone and do they stay, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk about, you've got a new person, you're at a conference and you're meeting a CEO or a head of HR. What are the six things that you're going to say to that individual that why they should consider the open hiring model? Uh, The one thing that everybody is having a challenge with these days is through this so-called labor shortage. People people need good good people to work for them. Uh, 10 to 11 million unfilled jobs. Two unfilled jobs for every officially unemployed person. Meanwhile, we've got all these people on the sidelines who want to work, but uh, can't find opportunity. So what open hiring does is it opens that door to not only good people, but diverse talent as well. So I would say, first and foremost, you're going to get a good person who's going to stick with you because when everyone else said no, you said yes. So so there goes that whole challenge we have of turnover. It doesn't go away, but it makes a nice dip in terms of the churn that you see in terms of people leaving you. Uh, so that's one piece of it. The second piece of we seeing this at the body shop. The body shop, by the way, when they first started been hiring in the distribution center, they cut their turnover rate by two thirds. The second, we would say productivity is going to go up. Body shop, in their case, went up thirteen percent. And then, obviously, your time to hire goes down significantly. I mean, on average, it takes thirty days to place someone. What we're seeing with our partners: five to seven, five to ten days. The time spent, the money spent that you used to be keeping people out of your system, now we can reinvest that and bring them in and invest in our people, invest in learning and development education, invest in you know, promotional opportunities, all of those different things that add to an organization. And that's win, win, win. You win as an organization, a person wins uh, that you employ, and that society wins. Because most likely, these are the folks that are on public assistance. These are the folks that are probably uh, have gone through the criminal justice system. So now we're dealing with the whole recidivation issue. How does it make you feel? You are head of this organization. It's You're really getting traction with the model and the ecosystem being. How do you feel when you come to work? It's so great to be a part of an organization and contribute at some level, whatever that expertise is. To see, like, meet, <laughs> meet your product. Um, we have these amazing brownies, yes, but when you can actually see, like, someone like, you know, Shauna, who, you know, had a mother of five, who was about to give up her kids, she couldn't find a job, so she didn't know what to do, but she got the call from Grayston. Fast forward years later, she has all her kids, and P.S., she's also a supervisor. And that's incredible. It's inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd, lo- I'd love you to talk a little bit about Shauna. Because I, you know, in the in the film, she talks about I wasn't, you know, I I didn't have the resume, I didn't, ha- I wasn't a guy, you know, it's like all these things she wasn't, and she was just getting turned down again and again and again and again and again, and then she came ac- upon Grace. And can you just talk a little bit about her and those five kids too? The trajectory of their life that was changed. Yeah, I mean, she was really at the bottom when. Uh, she came to Grayston's, uh, and her exact words were, you know, I didn't have an education. I didn't have the experience. I wasn't male. Uh, and she says, when everybody said no, Grayston said yes. Yeah. And it was to the point, I mean, big five kids, one with special needs, single mom, just trying to do the right thing and get a job. Good person, smart as anything. Uh, but 
she just didn't have that profile, whatever that profile is, to get a job. And to the point where she had to think about giving up her kids. Giving up I, her kids. Oh. How, just as a mother, and I'm a father, how do you get to that point in your life? It was to the day, <laughs> to the day where she was about to make this tough decision that she got the call from Grayson for the end. So for a mother of five, getting that kind of an opportunity to be in shift is amazing. And that began her, well, what was an amazing trajectory here at Grayston. She has her kids. She has a home. She's earning money. She's gotten promoted. She's loving her job. She's doing a great job. And she's a great spokesman for us. Absolutely. We want to see other people's lives to transform through business, which is just great to see how this is what capitalism is all about. And giving opportunity for folks who want it. So one of the things that, that you that you talk about is that you want to create greater awareness of Grayston and the open hiring model. And you said that when you worked and you were working with New York State services or local services, and you didn't even know about them. <laughs> yeah, I was deputy commissioner of Westchester County Social <laughs> Services. Part of my portfolio was employment. <laughs> and I knew nothing. And here is this thing in my backyard. Like, literally in our backyard, in the largest city in the county, and we knew nothing about it. It was by happenstance. I met a woman, Catherine Harris, who worked here. Unfortunately, she passed away. Just met her at a random um, meeting, and she was telling me her story. And I'll I'll never forget what she told me. This is what really clued me in onto Grace. She said, you know what? The one thing I, I don't want my daughter to learn are the social services acronyms. And then how um, how much later from that point in time did you actually come to work at Grayston? Fast forward, you know, February 27th, 2018, I started my first day in ZP programs and partnerships. And then how many years before you, you were made CEO? So CEO, I was appointed April of 2020. You know, a nice oh, time. Right during the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> oh, that's your, yeah. There's no business school class for that one, so I was... <laughs> But yeah, I was right in the height of the pandemic. I was a CEO. Ah, and so you had to take care of your people because they were essential workers. Yes, yeah, they, they, we were deemed essential. The bakery was definitely deemed essential because of uh, manufacturing. So this, this you know incredible group of folks were operating really twenty four seven because also also at the time of the pandemic, you remember people were at home, they were shopping you know online and. Amazing enough, this was a tailwind. You know, people were putting those Ben and Jerry's pints in their e-carts. So that was flying off the shelves, which meant the bakery was producing at rapid speed in terms of meeting the needs of our customer. So, you know, at a trying time in our country, and particularly in Yonkers, where we were the you know, ground zero for you know, COVID cases and deaths, people were working. While, you know, while nearly 20 million other fellow citizens were out of work, we really had to write our own playbook as uh, we went along. And you did, and you did it successfully. How did your colleagues, you know, a year later, when you when you understand the protocols and such, and, and they're still probably working at breakneck speed, how did they feel about their rising to the challenge? This is what I really learned, the value of the team and the people you had on your team. Folks figured it out. They figured out how to communicate. And again, not without... No, our tough times. It was very stressful here. And at one point in time, I wasn't even going to the bakery because 
we just weren't sure <laughs> how, to, how to communicate with each other. But I would come to my office here at the foundation, just communicate with the folks. I mean, we would literally meet every morning online uh, through Teams and Zoom just to talk about what's the latest CDC data telling us, how are our employees doing, what challenges are you facing, how can we support one another. It was a tough time. Yeah, the reason I'm probing on this and going deeper is that I want our listeners to understand that through open hiring, just because someone didn't have an advanced degree, a college education, or maybe they, you know, they serve time, that as individuals, they were committed to the company, that they had their own self-worth and they came up with solutions. And so open hiring is not just someone who's moving boxes around distribution center. It's about people bringing their full potential. And, I, you know, that's why I wanted you to talk about the stories during COVID, because it was hard times. But you also have another part. Can you talk about, like, why did you establish foundation? And then what does it serve within your ecosystem? So when you go back to Bernie, uh, when he was doing the open hiring process, it wasn't called that just yet. He was He found that one of the people that were being employed had other needs, so housing, childcare. So we had a we had a pretty substantial low income housing portfolio. We had a childcare center. So all of this fell under the nonprofit wing of, of Grayston. But during my time as CEO, when I came in, you know, I felt we really had to focus and almost kind of shrink so we could grow uh, and really focus on our core and like. From the very beginning, I knew that our core was employment, inclusive employment at that. So we transitioned all of those programs to folks who had that expertise. And we stuck to what we know best, which is inclusive employment and open hiring. So now what we now call the Graceton Employment Opportunity Center, that's the umbrella under which all of our programs fall in the foundation. Four products, really very simple. One, fulfilling our mission to unlock human potential one person at a time through inclusive employment. We want to see the open hiring model replicated. So we have a team dedicated to working with companies to see how they can implement either open hiring or inclusive hiring, which is you know kind of an open hiring life. And you're getting rid of one or two barriers to employment and not a little bit more than maybe we have. Two, continuing with what we do is workforce education uh, training. Uh, just giving folks trainings in emerging industries here in this area, whether it's building and construction, trade safety, IT, customer service, culinary arts. Where can we, you know, where can we have people placed in these emerging industries and get a certification that they can use anywhere in the country? We'll give you the case management support. We'll give you the job development support. Three is transitional employment. So how do we get folks work ready? We have a program called the Grace of Rangers, which Based essentially a program where you've unified the downtown business district and some of the gateways into the city as well as some of the parks. You do that for 30, 60 days, and then we place you to a full-time job. The whole idea being, how do we get folks, particularly when they're incarcerated, they have some barrier to employment, how do we get you just work-ready, taking instructions, showing up on time, and we place you to a full-time job. And then the last piece, and we do this at the bakery as well, is social services support. So what are all the things that you need, whether it's transportation, housing, how can we help you find the appropriate resources that helps you stay in your job, stay employed, and not have to worry about you know, whether you have a crisis situation at home or you're about to get evicted or you just need some mental health support. Let us help you figure out 
what resources you need and who you need to connect you to. So those four things are what the foundation is all about. And that's really smart that you have have those two arms of Grayston. Let's talk about advancing the open hiring movement. And um, can you talk a bit about how you're doing that and especially your relationship with the body shop and then maybe another partner or two? There's so many on the sidelines. We need other businesses to step up and, and look at how they can. But we need those other companies to really figure out how do we solve this so-called labor shortage. There's no shortage. There's an outage from the business standpoint in terms of where we look and how we hire. So now it's about the Amazons. It's about the Walmarts. All these other big companies that have distribution centers and these entry-level jobs or even on the job, on the job. How do we open those up? in a way that we can bring in those folks who are on the sidelines, that we know will do good work, that we know will be loyalty, that we know that will increase your productivity. While we were in Davos, Larry Summers even said, you know, but we really have to focus on the fact that we've got one in eight men between the ages of 25 and 55 who has just dropped out of the labor force. Those men who've dropped out, guess what their profile is like? Person of color, one or more, one or more barriers to employment. <laughs> So I'm so I'm curious. Did um you've talked about the biggest employers, the, the Amazons of the world? How what how are you making progress? I would definitely making progress with the with the body shops and the IKEAs of the world. And look, being someone who comes from business and comes from corporate, I, we need to see that demonstration. So the more we can show to other businesses, and that's what we've been doing, and that's the whole goal of our twenty thirty vision. We'll, we'll, we'll show you what the data and let the data lead you, right? Uh, whether it's turnover, whether it's productivity, whether it's time to hire, a pipeline. It's truly advancing human potential and, and getting, you know, incredible commitment. Um, and, and then you also start getting the new ideas and the innovation. Um, so, so that's incredible. I want you to mention the size. What's the financial size of your vision for 2030? Because it's Big. It's a big, bold vision. By 2030, we want to have 40,000 jobs being offered through open hiring or inclusive hiring, which is just open hiring in some form. 40,000 jobs by 2030, I would say conservatively, translates into about $3 billion of economic impact. And that's just 40,000 jobs. we got millions on the sidelines. I'm curious about, I'm sure you talked about how do you go from 40,000 to millions when you were in Davos? Because Davos is a place where you can have, you know, an incredible efficiency of meetings and such. Can you give us any sort of uh, view of some of the conversations and maybe give us a, you know, a sneak peek into something that may be happening this year? Yes. Well, we were a winner. Why, this is why we were in Davos. We, Congratulations. Yes. We were one of the 16 awardees of the Social Innovators of the Year Award, which is basically a collection and now a cohort of just amazing social entrepreneurs that are leveraging their nonprofits and their businesses to address you know, some of society's greatest ills. Now, obviously, our space was inclusive employment. So we were there to share our story, give a pitch about our organizations, and really call on business leaders. And I don't want to be unique with open hiring. Uh, we, want to, we want to share it with folks, and, and we're more than willing to do that, but you have to make the commitment. How exportable to other regions and countries outside of the U.S. is open hiring as a concept? It's a, I'll use the body shop as an example. Body shop started in North Carolina. Now it's in all of the U.S. distribution and retail, UK, Canada, 
Australia. We have a partner in the Netherlands called the Start Foundation, who's working with you know smaller companies, but still open hiring, pure open hiring. But that's 50 and 60 partnerships now, uh, 300 opportunities being offered in the Netherlands. What are the barriers in front of you right now, or the challenges, perhaps? The one thing is just you know, exposure. We're, we're, a small we're a small organization, so exposure is one of the biggest challenges and just getting that right. I mean, I didn't know about Grayston, and I was a you know, deputy commissioner. So that's the biggest challenge is just letting folks know like a model like this exists and is working and, and it's been exported. And I would say the second one is just we need bold leaders to kind of think differently. And again, I, I'm seeing that at Davos where folks are now looking at innovative solutions and realizing maybe they don't have all the answers and they need to develop collaborations and partnerships that will help them get to some of these answers. Here it's like, this isn't the way we do it. Got that. But what are the fears of potential companies to do open hiring? They must fear. Do they fear, oh my God, it's a second chance employee? You know, and, and they're out there. And that's, a, and that's a good question as well. I think the it's a lot of misconception and then that fear. So for instance, I think a lot of companies feel they have to do it exactly like Grayston. No, you don't. I mean, we have no questions asked. We don't care about your background. If you're concerned about the formerly incarcerated, focus on disconnected youth. Focus on single moms. Focus on, you know, a refugee mom. Whatever works for you. You know, get that that's one area where you can do it. Or get rid of one barrier to employment. Do you need the degree requirement for something where they can learn the job on the job and all you have to do is be willing to, to take instruction? Just think differently about how you hire and where you hire and where you look to get your talent. I would say the other fear is, to your point, you know, folks think you know it's going to be chaos. And what I tell folks all the time is, look, we have people that have gone through the traditional hiring methods that have been disasters. Uh, and people that have hurt people. Look at the news today. People have hurt people in the workplace, and they've gone through the traditional uh, hiring methods. Think about it this way: Look, we just get rid of the barrier to employment. We don't get we don't get rid of standards of professionalism. We don't get that's, rid of that's standards. such a key point. No, it, it, it really is, and I think that's the assumptions people think is that you know just because we're getting rid of the barrier to employment. We're just going to be lackadaisical about professionalism, about standards, not showing up on time. No, it's very clear. We have a point system that we, we have in place, and the idea is not to get too many points. But if you cannot rise to the challenge of professionalism and goods manufacturing practices, we will part ways. Standards don't go away. We're just getting rid of the barrier to entry. The barrier to entry. And, and how many people do you don't cut it? It, it varies, I would say, because you have people that might leave. Because, again, you don't ask and folks really don't know sometimes what they're getting into. Because it's 12-hour shifts. It's, you know, you're lifting heavy bags of sugar and flour. It's a tough job, so I don't want to downplay that. Uh, but folks will leave the first day of orientation like, oh, you know what? I don't want to do that. And some folks will leave a couple of months after because, you know, it just wasn't for them. That's the beauty of having the foundation. Because maybe the, if the bakery doesn't cut it for you, look, we've got these training pro, we've got these training programs and job development services that can help you. Right. 
we're unfortunately getting down to the bottom, but I would want you to, we have great listeners. We have listeners from all around the globe. We have C-suite down to, you know, MBA students that truly want to go into the purpose world. Um, what do you want to say to them in terms of helping to accelerate or amplify your movement? You know, what I would say to really any of your listeners, no matter where they are, uh, my, my mantra is buy, donate, replicate. <laughs> buy, <So>, okay. <laughs> buy, donate, replicate. What I mean by that, if you go to graceton.org, you can buy the brownies. Um, that was one thing that we learned during the pandemic. You know, e-commerce really took off and folks saw our brownies as great corporate gifts, uh, great holiday gifts. Uh, replicate, as we talked about, if you're a business, start with one job, which obviously is the other fear. You don't have to make your whole organization. Just start small uh, with one job. So buy, replicate, and then donate. Uh, support the foundation work because that's how we uh, provide all the training. That's how we do the replication work in terms of working with the other uh, companies that we work with. That's how we get other people that have barriers to employment trained and employed, uh, providing the social services support. So if you could do all three, that's great too. But at the end of the day, doing one of those three helps advance our mission to unlock human potential through inclusive employment. And how about companies that are, okay, you know, I'm a, I don't know, $10 $10 million company, whatever, I'm maybe New York-based. I really want to try this. What do they do next? Yeah, reach out to our team. Let's go to info at graceton.org. And we have a whole team, which is a part of our Graceton Employment Opportunity Center, that would love to work with you and start you on the journey and make you a part of this movement. Yeah, that's super. So I always give the last words to my guest. Um, you are just someone that when I come to New York, I want to come see you. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> absolutely, so hopefully, absolutely. hopefully I can. I mean, I'm an ex New Yorker. I grew up in New York, lo- grew up on Long Island. There'll and, be a box of brownies for you. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. My, yeah, my brain will love it. My heart will love it. My hips will. <laughs> so, um, what are your final words in this wonderful conversation? I would say for folks, just take the first step, go to graceton.org. And just find that find that one job, and we can help you do it. Uh, and Graceton.org, you know, sign up for our newsletter, reach out to us at info to Graceton.org, and we'll let's get started on this journey together. That's super. So, so J- Joseph Kenner, I mean, I think, guys, the right person at the in the right place, the right time, with incredible humility and ability. And, you know, I totally believe that you will um, advance this movement to get to the 3 billion, 40,000, but you're not going to go to 40,000. You're going to go to 100,000. You're going to go to a million. You're going to change the face of hiring in this country. And I will be honored to say I interviewed you <laughs> in 2023. And I knew this guy when he is just, you know, he's changed the face for humanity. Exactly. We'll do it together. So thank you so much for being on the show. Keep up the great work and um, unleashing the potential of people. I couldn't think of anything, you know, better to do in a job, a vocation and with your heart. Thank you, Carol. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson 
our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us, because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it, and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.